Bookstore District. Let's have a hand for ourselves. So here Everyone's feeling the same way. Uh, I asked someone tonight how they were doing we, as we talked before the show, and they said, well, I'm glad I didn't get blown up today. And I think uh, that's, you can laugh, because this is the only time that's funny. And, uh, and in the only place. Uh, uh, it, it's true, and uh, it was an awful day today. There's been all sorts of mayhem and carnage, and um, we're all trying to deal with it as we speak here. Uh, the event, of course, uh, this podcast was scheduled uh, well in advance. Um, however, I'd like you all to know that I was at 7-7 in London as well, so you may not want to be around me too much longer <laughs> as time goes on. Uh, I have a way of popping up in different places. And, uh, <laughs> but I made it through two, so fuck, we're lucky so far. Let's do this. Uh, am I right or am I right? Everyone's got drinks and we're in a bookstore. And just to set the scene for you, if you're listening in Proofcastle, a lot of children listen to the show. They don't know the meaning of the word motherfucker, but they learn it as we go along. And uh, listening in blanket foots with a blanket over their head and then their parents come in or whatever and they're like what are you listening to and then they hear me say something awful or talk about marijuana um, there's a, a sign behind me that as in uh, stark black relief it looks like uh, we're inviting communists to join a cult here it's called, it says stand up Antwerp and that's uh, what we're, we're performing Nigel Williams is one of the blokes that uh, puts it on here he's put us on last time we were downstairs and what they laughingly refer to as the comedy room which actually more accurately looks like a punishment room for middle schoolers who've acted up horribly if you've been playing up all day, that's the room they put you in. Uh, it has arches, so you can hit your head when you're drunk. And, uh, uh, last week we celebrated uh, Keith Emerson on the show, and uh, we're getting a little Emerson, Mike, and Palmer coming through the sound system tonight. Thank you very much. That's progressive rock, and that's what it sounds like. Kind of a weird clarion horn call, followed by nothing except pretension. Uh, which will be on my part now. Uh, so there's that weird black banner uh, from Stand Up Antwerp over the, uh, behind me, and then one on the side of me as well. In case you didn't, whoa! In case you didn't get the fucking message, don't tweak the levels too hard, you guys. It's all right. Just take the game down a little. God, I love when people in, who are listening uh, have to hear me talk about technical things in the podcast. One, I don't even know what the two things I just said mean. <laughs> I don't know what the game is. I worked in show business a long time. Uh, and then there's children's books all behind me here. Uh, there's one about a whale. I think it's a whale. I don't speak uh, Flemish, and my French is dreadful. It's, um, does anyone, you do? You do. The dam from the Lalfis. The walrus is the whale. Ah, the whale's garden. The whale's garden. I'd like to be <laughs> under the sea in the walrus garden with thee. We'd swim about and fuck around, <laughs> knowing we're happy and we're safe. Like cetaceans, we take to the foe home because we knew we were already home. Dim, 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 dim. I'd like to be. Under the sea, in between von der Wolfes with the... It's a humpback whale, as far as I can tell. I'm not an ichthyologist, nor am I a whaleologist in any way. I do know that I wrote a poem once. Jennifer and I saw um, a, uh, a dolphin uh, when we were in San Francisco. And my poem went like this. Um, Hello, little whale. Do not assail or try to prevail upon me. You are a cetacean. You're not a crustacean. I have a eustachian, too. That was the whole poem. I and it didn't work down because of Thank you for calling that. There's a giraffe book over here. There's children's books of all kinds. They're all in Flemish as far as I can see uh, because there's words like Feast of Arken and, uh, and Latya and shit like that. So uh, I'm overmatched. And then behind us, there's a whole row of books that uh, people could go upstairs, I guess. Uh, 
and what appears to be a, a stereo section from uh, a single dude from the 70s who uh, never was very good at pulling chicks and he's got kind of a crap stereo up there and stacks of books and wires everywhere. I'm going to fucking fix those one day, for real. And I'm going to put some plants in this house, but they always just die whenever I get them. I don't know why I can't keep anything alive, like a relationship. Um, so there's that part. Uh, and then over us, what appears to be uh, a heat umbrella of some kind that's here to trap all the heat in the room and beam it back down on us so that there's no fucking ventilation whatsoever here in the bookstore. I think that's what that's for. And then unbelievably bright stage lights. Uh, I'm sitting in a children's section in a bookstore and a chair approximately 25 centimeters high. And uh, they've got show lights on me, like I'm doing the West End here. Uh, so let me just ask you two things. Start spreading the wham, pam, pam, now. I brought my book, as I say, it was supposed to be a book event tonight, too. There was all sorts of jollity uh, going to take place here. Uh, the book has a chapter on uh, drinks, and uh, if I've read this before on the show, fuck you, the show's free. Except for the people who are here. To download, it's free, so you have a little There's a chapter in my book called Vodka Flavored Vodka, and I think it is appropriate for tonight's, uh, um, shall we call them... Uh, uh, Festivities might be a little, <laughs> might be over-characterizing the situation a little bit. How about the groovy situation that we're trying to make happen here? Uh, vodka-flavored vodka is the name of the chapter. I live on shameless flattery and vodka, but the two usually go hand in hand. Victor Alexander. Uh, and then I wrote this part, even though that part's way cleverer than anything I wrote. And Jennifer drew a little bat there. How do you say bat in uh, Flemish? Mass. No, no, for real. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. I know, I know what a floor mouse is. I know what a fleeter mouse is. I, uh, I've been to two county fairs. In case you want CV, I got fucking backup here. I got resume. Uh, vodka, film, uh, vodka fell from heaven at the God's Caprice. A cold, clear, bracing shower. The one that saved humankind from itself. The planets had spun too far away. The forces of good were abating. Vodka descended and chilled the earth so we could survive in this caustic poetry bedded atmosphere. Beautiful, benign, multi-hued bubbles rose from the puddles of the new ambrosia, exploding in effervescent flashes that salve the soul and delight the winkles of your cockle. <laughs> like an unsullied lake from a zillion-page Russian novel, vodka lies waiting for you to dare. Vodka means water in many languages. Water is simply vodka reduced to survival mode. <laughs> Water is vodka that won't fight, barely survive. Liquid inspiration, crystal clear nectar, the monarch of spirits, breakfast of champions, companion to caviar and sassy radishes, bloodier of Mary's, emergency antiseptic, handler of Chelsea. Thank you, that's, that's for the Americans in the house. Take it not lightly, but do take it nightly. Vodka is a boon friend that never lets you down. Scientists assert vodka is a depressant. Fuck that. Watching the learning channel is a depressant. <laughs> vodka takes us where we want to be, to the mellow, altered state, page turning, of bliss just over the border from where you were when your boss climbed up your ass like an armadillo. People ask, what kind is your favorite? The answer is, do it come in a bottle. <laughs> Beware the flavored kinds. Vodka already has a flavor. It is its flavor. You don't need fruity kitty flavored vodka drinks any more than you need vodka flavored fruity vodka drinks. <laughs> Could have worked on that sentence more. Fruit joins vodka. It should not blag its way in and perform cold fusion with the flaves. 
No one in Russia or Poland or Finland drinks vodka with fizzy soda pop while watching crappy sports in a loud bar. They drink in freezing cold gathered in sullen secret reading groups. They know it's too pro profound a drink to besmirch in that way. Never mix and never feel disappointment. And these are my recipes. I'll just read you the first one here. Now, I've had the improvised tonight, as I've had so often in my career. And I walk down the street, and just to describe Antwerp to the people who are listening, especially in America, who have no idea what the cobblestone streets of Europe are really like. <laughs> there's trams gently killing you as you walk down the street. Uh, there's bars where Flemish people curse at you in languages you don't understand. Uh, although last night someone said good evening to me, and I said good evening back, and then that was pretty much the end of the conversation. Oh, they carried on talking. It was just I was done with it at that point. I laughed a lot, and I went, <laughs> oh, the heaven, and I like, just made up shit, just made up shit, you know what I mean? Like, I want to be in the game, I want to be in the game, but I don't want a lot of know that I don't know, so, you know, you want to be cool. So that happens here in Europe. And then uh, Antwerp, because it's uh, the wine capital, whoa, well, Antwerp's the wine capital of Europe, I don't know if you're aware of that. There's so many beautiful grapes grown right here, and next to the sea. <laughs> in a bed of diamonds with a bagel dressing. And um, they uh, uh, um, are little stores all around the neighborhood here, which are very convenient, and kebab shops, or, or as we call them in uh, Antwerp, kebabs. And, uh, 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 and uh, some crap discos, and some little shit bars around and whatnot, and then some nicer ones, uh, and a few elegant places, and then there's a, a cash machine about two blocks down, as I recall. In any case, there's a... a uh, a craft store around the, around the corner here. And every one of them has the same thing. There's little uh, pictures of, uh, uh, of Belgium, pictures of chocolate, uh, uh, the Brussels, the symbol of Brussels, which is a small uh, child statue taking a, a wee-wee, which is the funniest of all symbols of any city of Europe, <laughs> proving that the Belgians do have a sense of humor, contrary to what a lot of people assert and reassert. I'm not one of them. This is my second gig in Belgium. If I didn't think you guys had a sense of humor, I'd have, I'd have skipped you like fucking Oklahoma. So... <laughs> By the way, I'm playing in Oklahoma on May 7th in Oklahoma City. If anyone wants to come and see me there, uh, side of another great tragedy. So let's all just join hands in tragedy and comedy, shall we? Uh, in any case, uh, there's a little, and they always have these bottles of, a, of yellow liquor that's like some sort of horrible cream based. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't drink it, but it's a very Belgian thing. Uh, and there's many flavors of it. What's it called? What was it one? Oh, we're just breaking into discussion groups now. <laughs> What's it called? Not everybody at once, because I can't understand. Okay, now I'm going to go to you again, because you've been my father's friend through the night. Elixir d'Anvers. Ah, and what is this elixir? It's uh, based on herbs, and it's sort of a liquor based on herbs. Is it based on herbs in any way? Because that's what I thought it was. I guess I was right. Thank you for telling me. Uh, no, I appreciate that. Uh, herbs for our American friends are herbs. Uh, British people, Irish people, anyone, any type of UK uh, colonial people insist on pronouncing uh, French words improperly. Uh, they don't say uh, bouchon, they say beachum. And they say, instead of herbs, they, they say herbs. Uh, and it's because they're afraid if they pronounce a French word properly, a man will enter them from behind. <laughs> Wearing nothing but a sweater. Or a jumper, if you're English, if you will. And I think you will. If you're English, I'm certain you will. 
There's one thing English guys are up for, it's being entered from behind with a French guy on a sweater. Uh, that's what they're famous for. Well, Ireland, but England too. So, uh, uh, herbs, it's a herb drink, and so there's bottles of that. There's a cream-colored one, there's a lemon, like a yellowy one that just looks dastardly. All are delicious. And uh, then there's every manner of Belgian beer in the universe. There's the Duval, there's the one with the monks, there's the Trappist one, there's the Creek, there's the Cherry, there's Raspberry, there's... Goldenberry, there's licorice flavored ocelot, you know, like Port Portland thinks they make beer, the Belgian invented making beer, uh, and uh, they'll, they'll let you know. And so there's <laughs> five million kinds of beer, and then there's three bottles of wine the shit Australian one, the shit Spanish one, and the other shit one that's from like, it's like Guatemalan wine. I don't know where it's from, it's from a country where wine's not grown. And uh, that's your choice when you go to these little stores on the corner. How do I know this? Because I'm an alcoholic. And I make it my business to know these things. I do the legwork and the field work and the research. Did I mention that I do the legwork? And um, so that's what the choices are at the corner store. In America, not like there'd always be a wild selection of wine, but there'd be more than, say, three. Uh, but there wouldn't be the dazzling selection of beer. And then the chocolate is to die. I mean, even in the crappest store in Belgium, the, the chocolate selection is better than the finest chocolate shop in the United States. It's, it's fairly <laughs> substantial. And now it's, of course, Easter, which means it's the cream egg time of year. The time of year when you have to decide once again that you hate them by eating a bunch. <laughs> the cream egg rears its ugly shell. Every, its chocolatey countenance comes up every Easter time. He is risen. And uh, it's time to celebrate by eating an egg that you're not sure that you like. You bite into it, the first bite, you're like, oh my god, am I filleting someone? Something horrible. I don't what shot out of this. Uh, and then there's, uh, you know, the peep. Uh, in America, there's little peeps. They're horrible sugar confections that are in the shape of a chick. Uh, I, mean a, I mean a chicken chick. Uh, not a chick, I mean a chicken chick. Because I say cats all the time. You guys are like, does he mean it's girls, man? Uh, no, not a bird, uh, as the English would say. Yeah, it is a bird, but it's a chicken bird. It's a chicken bird. Or as they say in Flemish, uh, the Valfus bird. And uh, it's a little chick, and it's either colored pink or yellow or blue. And uh, the consistency is like, if, you, if you've ever woken up and you were really drunk and you went to sleep on your face, face down, and you woke up and you had a mouthful of your pillow, and you woke up and you went, and you thought you were eating something, that's what peeps taste like. With sugar on it. So, it's horrible. You can feel your teeth grinding together, one. Two, the consistency is vile, beyond all measure. It's a foam mattress. And they sell them at every supermarket in America. Every supermarket. If you have a chance to go to America in the next few weeks, and if you're in America, I'm sure you'll be going to the supermarket at some point if you can afford it. Next to the counter will be peeps, which always come in a row all facing the same way. There's like six fucking, whoop, there's six yellow peeps all facing the same way, or pink peeps. And the horrible, tricky part of every peep is they have a candy eye. Horrible, glassy, candy dead eye that stares out at you, you balefully reminding you that the Lord died for your sins and that you better <laughs> make peace or you might end up being a piece of foam with sugar on it one day in another lifetime. They're a karmic reminder of what can happen if you don't observe uh, being a good person in this lifetime. You end up as a fucking pink peep in the next world. And then, so you eat the peep, and you're like, by that time you've forgotten about everything because you hate your life so much halfway through this phone thing. And then the horrible piece of candy eye gets caught in your teeth, and you're like, oh, and then you think you've broken one off, and because it, it has exactly the consistency of a shard of tooth. 
So it's really a magical candy, and one that Americans adore. The difference is in America, when we were little, uh, when I say we, of course, I mean everyone my age, which are limited Civil War veterans and those who fought the Kaiser, and fuck, uh, we should have him a thing or three. Uh, we, uh, we, in America, when I was little, and I'm sure they still do, uh, you get a basket that's, that your mother bought at the supermarket, and it's filled with plastic grass that your cat or dog immediately eats, and then shits it out, and you have to pull the fucking grass out of them in a hideous, horrible evocation of what the lower elementary canal of a fucking animal is like, because you really get to experience an up-close and personal fun. That's the only way it comes out of them, and they hate it, but they eat it anyway, because they're fucking cats. They jump right up into the basket, and and it's a long, stringy plastic, and they're like, don't eat, no, mittens! Yeah, or, well, kittens isn't here tonight, but you know kittens is in your hand. Uh, kittens don't, and then kittens does it anyway. And then a whole bunch of chocolate eggs uh, on foil, which are awesome. And uh, I was so drunk the other night that I bit into one, and uh, I was with Jennifer and Josie Lawrence, and Josie went, you're eating a foil egg. And like I had foil in my mouth, and I went, no, I'm not, and pretended to spit it out because I'd swallowed some of it. And... Uh, <laughs> Then there's uh, 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 jelly beans, uh, often just spread, like your mom or dad will just take the jelly beans, or if you're Canadian, your mom will take the jelly beans and just spread them in the grass. So you have to dig for those, you find them at the bottom. And then there's the cream eggs, which are whatever, those, you do make a decision on your own. And then there's plastic eggs that have, they're in house, and you open up the, hemp, the sphere, and inside it is generally more jelly beans. Or, if you're fucking really lucky, Hershey's Kisses, or something awesome uh, that you want, or like green M&M's, or you know what I mean, like if your parents want the full hog, or, or Christmas, the full bunny. And then, uh, when you're really little, you get a stuffed rabbit, maybe, or a stuffed duck. Uh, somehow ducks, rabbits, all the fertility animals come to the fore. It's such a, I'm, I'm guessing there was a Roman holiday just like this, except the cakes had cinnamon on them. And uh, that would be the other difference. And you would kill the chicken before everything started, and all the kids would laugh, and then you'd eat the chicken. It's the way it's not fucking long on in the ancient world. And, uh, and, then, uh, uh, and then that's it. Christmas has this big blow off where you play with the toys and then you crash and burn and then your uncle comes over and spits at you and uh, when he talks and then uh, you have a horrible dinner and everyone fights and then you cry. You know, Christmas has a formality and a ritual to it. Uh, but Easter is more catch as catch can. If you go to church, you go to church. Then you come back from church and there's a big meal. Then you have that meal. And then that's pretty much it. The fuck, nothing else happens on Easter. It's not an organized... America really lost the thread after like... 11 a.m. on Easter. Uh, a lot of countries it goes on all day, it goes on all week. Observant countries, places where there's nice cathedrals and stuff like that. In America, right around noon, you're set to run with your friends. Uh, and if you're lucky, you're still wearing your fucking church clothes so you can get them completely wasted and dirty. Uh, or your mother might make you uh, take them off. And, uh, I mean, not you know, run around naked. No, children run around naked in America. We're not allowed to do that. We have a a very wholesome uh, way of uh, demonizing sexuality at all times. So uh, for us, it's very important that we never feel free or easy with our own sexuality, and that we're highly uncomfortable with the sight of human breasts, but adore the sight of gunfire. And uh, this is what America's all about. Uh, uh, puritanical, pee-pee-slapping, uh, uh, miserable people who came over uh, to start the show, and then we carried that on as each subsequent uh, race came over. and. Uh, uh, and so that when you come to Europe as an American and you see breasts in an ad the first time, you're, you're like a five-year-old. You're like, <laughs> and, uh, 
then, not only do you grow used to the fact that Europeans will show their secondary sexual characteristics at the drop of a, of a vulvas, uh, they'll also uh, go to the beach, no matter how fat and repulsive they are as a man, and wear the smallest swimsuit of all time, and walk around with hideous, hideous guava jam hanging down, and just great socks of grapes, just awful, awful views. Ma hairy male conical breasts pointing every which direction. It really is a shocking affair here in Europe. Uh, doesn't that happen in America too? Yeah, but it happens at sporting events. <laughs> you go to a NASCAR game or a hockey game, or what, well, maybe not a hockey's too cold, but uh, you know, like an outdoor sporting event, then guys um, will, uh, will uh, wear uh, no shirt, uh, even unbidden. So anyway, the first recipe goes like this. Well, I forgot what it was. So I bought, I went to the liquor store, which is not a liquor store, it's a candy liquor slash uh, uh, the skilly the herbs store. And uh, they often have giant four packs of Evian and Sodi Pop in the window as well, in case you need. Um, and I bought a bottle of vodka because there's no, this is a bookstore. God damn it, it's a classy operation here to grow in a bottom. run by Diane, thank you so much. And uh, there's red wine and white wine being served. I haven't tasted it. But it looked expensive. And uh, that was a joke. That was a fucking joke, but whatever. I'll just have a little taste of that now. Mmm. Shitty, yet free. And you guys are thinking, shitty, yet two euros. That was Johnny Steele's joke from San Francisco in the 80s. That's a great joke. Uh, anyways, I went in and I said, can I have a bottle of vodka? And they didn't have any little bottles of vodka. I was going to get like a half pint because I was like, I like to kid myself as much as anyone else. Uh, I think a lot of us, you know how our lives are? Like, um, uh, you go away for a weekend and you bring like four books with you. We're in a bookstore, so I'm presuming there's some of you who do what I do. I'm going to get through like two of these the first day, and then I'm probably going to get all the way through the other one on the train home, and it's like, you read half of a magazine on the way there, then you look at your phone until your eyes go pink, and then you use the books to set your shit on when you go to bed, and then you leave one because your luggage is too heavy because you bought a bunch of stupid shit, and that's your reading for the weekend. You almost read the cover of one of them, but you got bored when you saw the word Copenhagen. And so, we all overachieve in certain ways. Like, you'll go to a ski weekend, and you'll bring, like, gloves and skis and shit like that, and you never fucking leave the lodge. You know what I'm saying? If there's a thousand scenarios. Anyways, I was going to buy a little one for that very reason. But they didn't have any little ones. They only had this size. Uh, fifth, I think, or as we would say in America here, it's not a liter yeah, even in, I and my uh, uh, metric-deprived state know that this is not a leader. It is, however, autographed on top. It says, Vodka Deluxe Premium Quality, and in cursive, written very classily with a long Q, premium quality is written on the glass there. The brand, <coughs> Zoranoff. The origin's obscure. Um, this was an 11 euro bottle of vodka. I think it's the cheapest one on the shelf. Um, produced... Fabrique et mise en bataille pour Roquefort. GmbH Graf Preisingstrasse 14, Rotenburg. Is that here in Belgium? Is that Germany? German vodka? Didn't we fight him a couple times so this wouldn't happen? If you're listening in Germany, I'm sorry. I know what you're saying. You're like, warum, Greg? Warum? Every time. 
I'm sorry, it was a cheap shot, but I had to. When I was born in Belgium, uh, Zaranoff. So they gave it a fake Russian name, and it's Premium Vodka Deluxe, and it sells distilled three times. And in order to make it look like it's won three different awards, there's a little bunch of stars around a three at the bottom. And what it says above it is distilled three times, not winner of the Premium Distilled Award, just three! With stars! <laughs> You won't die, because we distilled it three times. Not like those other shit German vodkas where they don't distill it at all, and there's a bug floating in the top and part of a sock. <laughs> so I bought this uh, to have tonight, and there's no ice here, and no, I didn't ask. It was both a presumption and something I already knew, a certainty. Uh, so I took one of the plastic wine glasses from the front. Well, you guys have glass glasses, but I... The other glasses for I don't know what are plastic, and they're, these are the kind of glasses that your doctor says, um, don't fill it all the way up. <laughs> and then leave it in this counter over here so we put a label on it, okay? And then an assistant comes in and puts a label on it, and don't ever touch it or drink from it again. It's that size, and that consistency. It's got the squishy, uh-oh, I'm too drunk, or someone puts a cigarette through it, and it burns right through in a rubber plastic smell, but you fucking carry on drinking anyway. Because you're outside and you're not about to go back in. Fuck you. <laughs> so I bought the Zeranoff, Zeranoff, Zeranoff vodka. And that's our new recipe for tonight. Because I'm going to read you one of the recipes, and then I'm going to tell you the recipe I'm using tonight. For tonight's Belgianese uh, spectacular. <laughs> the, the smartest book in the world, vodka recipes. First one. Vodka-flavored vodka drink. Ingredients. One bottle of vodka, one bucket of ice, one bowl of lemons, sliced, one glass, any size will do, but something short of a flagon. <laughs> <laughs> one moon. I think that's most funny if you're, if you, English is your first language, that's really funny. If it's your second or third language, you're like, but why would you use a flagon? <laughs> what? I don't know why you speak in a high, little interior monologue. <laughs> Uh, one moon, one vast field of stars. Fill a glass of ice, add lemon, pour a heaping tot, silence any heaping tots in the vicinity. <laughs> Gay skyward. That was a heaping tot joke. <laughs> We're in the kids' room, goddammit. Don't make me read a book in Flemish. I will. I can ruin this whole evening. <laughs> I thought you were going to try to lift us together on the spirits as we all stride manfully forward trying to face another brave day after the horror of this morning. Yeah, there's that. And there's my ego. Let's see which one wins. <laughs> Let's see which one fucking wins. Poor heaping talk. Silence, you read that part. Gaze skyward at the moon. Add stars. Listen to the music of the spheres. Drain glass. Refill. Consider your life. Consider changing it. Reload. When the bottle is empty, we will have come to a decision. Seize the day. <laughs> Here's a better one. Well, a more effective one. Purple rain. One, yeah, you heard me. <laughs> Never meant to cause you any sorrow. <laughs> Never meant to cause you any pain. <laughs> oh, I want to be like love you, love you, love you. I want to see you laughing in the fruitful rain. Fruitful rain, fruitful rain. Thank you.
vodka, one bucket of ice, one bowl of lemon, sliced, one glass. You can sense a consistency. <laughs> Fill a glass with ice, add lemon, pour vodka to brim, guzzle gently. <laughs> Lean on walls, sing show tunes, make up your mind to quit your job and become a freelance sex symbol. <laughs> or Argentinian rancher, or expert on Asian art, or mystery millionaire philanthropist. Stir, renew, repeat if ambulatory. <laughs> so here's tonight's recipe for the post-traumatic uh, Belgian Syndrome podcast bookstore event drink, vodka-flavored vodka drink. One plastic glass, urine sample sized. <laughs> Issue the ice, because there isn't any. Uh, third ingredient, buy the cheapest German vodka you can find. <laughs> while almost getting hit by a tram while a couple guys laugh at you. <laughs> Pour generously into plastic glass. Yeah, you can hear it. Watch the bubbles of the vodka subside. That was weird. That was weird. Why were there bubbles? In the vodka. Uh, and then snidely whiplash. Oh. Make the noise that the raptor makes in Jurassic Park Lost World. <laughs> then, drink again, making the noise that the emperors called with in the shit movie Cleopatra with Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> That's why sometimes the phone goes off. This isn't like other shows. We have to start the show saying we really do. Uh, uh, like I said, today was a... Normally I sit, but I don't think I can. Not, not, they've given me a chair that's shorter than any of you. <laughs> so even if I wanted to sit, I can't see anyone but the three... Everyone in the front row who's just staring at me. <laughs> that horrible expectation that I'll somehow make their life better for the next hour. <laughs> Pressure! And then that horrible part. The hira de. Puedo. Que puedo. What are you doing? Why are you doing that, Freddie? That part sucked. I love Freddie Mercury, but that part sucked. What are you, Calypso riffing? I don't know what's happening. I thought this was a rock song. The turtle of knowing what the swell is about. Puedo. At one point, that's horrible. Who that day? I love Queen, but they had a couple songs that really chewed the big fucking leather dog toy. What was that one? All we need is radio goo goo. Radio. Fuck you. No, we don't need that one. That one sucks. You're trying to make fun of shitty music and you made shitty music. That's not ironic. That's not even post-ironic. That's not even deconstructive. That's, that's obstructive. You're blocking the way toward irony. 
There's other groups that make shitty music that they made a point out of it or whatever. If you were at FCC, you would have done it, and it wouldn't have been funny, and then no one would have got the joke, and that would have been completely ironic. Because <laughs> FCC were always making fun of music, and then they'd make a shitty song, and you'd be like, that song was really complex, and you worked way too hard on it, and it still didn't make any sense. <laughs> Yeah, we get it. If people feel things, they're assholes. So you're going to be detached and British. Um, right? The, the redoubtable British artists. I love David Bowie, and uh, I can't believe that he's gone. And I kind of feel like in a horrible way, uh, he's watching over us now. And that he's having control over lots of events. I, I just get this... I think we gave him too much power in life because I don't think he's left yet, you know what I mean? I feel like he's showing up all the fucking time. Uh, <laughs> but one of his great moves was to not feel anything. And that was, I think, what made him so appealing to everybody. You could fill in what you wanted to feel on top of David Bowie. Other stars pretend to feel like when Robert Plant and Led Zeppelin sang the blues, you were like, I don't think you're that sad. <laughs> And then, what's that one Led Zeppelin one? Well, every Sunday when we go to church. What? <laughs> Weren't you shooting speed in your eyeball and having sex with an underage girl in a pentagram? What do you mean every Sunday when you go to church? <laughs> you see the legs are standing in line. Well, I got a woman, she won't be true now. You fucked everyone in the world. What do you mean she won't be true? How is this sad? That never worked for me. And the Rolling Stones, what was it? Now, to station, suitcase, in your hand. You're not a 70-year-old black man from Mississippi. You did not go down to the station with a suitcase on your hand. But David Bowie would just go like, I'm done feeling. But his song, well, I sang it way too many times on the show. What's that one? Um, uh, is it Breaking Glass? Was, He's such a wonderful person. Much of our problems will. Oh, oh, well, let me touch you. Really? You're all cold and have coke sweats. I'm not letting you touch me. don't actually want to touch me. You're English, and you've just, just stated distinctly that you don't want to touch me. And like, when David Bowie sings he's under pressure, it doesn't really sound like he's under that much pressure. It sounds like he's singing about someone he knows is under pressure. Pressure! Right? You take it. I'm not going to I'm going to get him a limo, man. As he once said, What you like is in the limo. No, it isn't. It's, it's all too predictable that you reject me first. I figured you would. That's why I'm listening to you. I want to be that way, and I can. And I think that's what he felt. It's taken me all this time. I've been listening to him since I was 13 years old, which was 1941. And um, we hadn't even entered the war yet. Well, America never really did. But the point is... Now it's kind of a pink toy one. What's that one? Set the controls. Oh, 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 oh. 
Guzzle the vodka to a quarter of one. Oh. When Pink Floyd got mystical, too. I was like, really? The dark side of the moon? They're going to let four high-on-drugs English rock stars get in a capsule? Oh, I see. It's a metaphor. Uh, why didn't you just say that? Oh, I thought the album cover was talking about um, in any case, uh, having said all that, um, we try to deal from the heart here as usual. Whoa, god damn, piece of sh- That's the difference. Books, if you have, I don't, sometimes I hold the book upside down, sometimes the book's awkward, but you never have to go like this to a book. God damn it, stop doing that! <laughs> Phones have a mind of their own because they're machines, and uh, all machines are devious and wish to kill man. And uh, I don't hold with that Isaac Asimov, William Gibson bullshit. Uh, machines aren't benign and here to serve us. If you've noticed, machines have done nothing but fuck up your life, okay? Uh, oh, but I, my phone... I didn't think, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to write that thing about the thing that was so important to me, but I didn't use pencil and paper. Instead, I waited till it was too late because I was going to go to my fucking computer or I wouldn't have remembered it when I wrote it down anyway because there's no connection between your brain and your fucking heart when you write on a computer, only when you write with your hand. You say everything should be written longhand, like Tolstoy. Look, Tolstoy had his wife transcribe everything, so there was some fucking added elements going on there. Like Nabokov. There's a lot of writers who wrote shit, and the wife had to fucking do it all over again. Uh, I'm just saying I've never had to beat on a book to get it to straighten up and not be this way. Books don't fucking all of a sudden go, no, tank's going this way now. It's a roller coaster of love. Say what? Uh, we were walking by and we went shopping today uh, because I think the most important thing you can do in the light of a terror act is to act like nothing fucking happened Uh, because you can't just wander around all day crying and you can't worry about everything that you can't control you have to be zen in a certain way about it and understand that these terrible acts uh, happened before and they will carry on happening this is nothing new and nothing aimed directly at our generation this is an act in a, a, a giant series of continuous acts that have happened since man knew that he could fuck with each other and that there were going to be light differences that needed to be exploited with violence. And <laughs> having said that, uh, God, I wish I'd said that earlier. That was fucking good. An hour in. Um, the, 45 minutes, I know. Don't time me, Belgium. Guys, everybody knows good things come in sets of three. What does that have to do with the price of anything? Well, get this. March is the third month of the year, and it also happens to be our friends over at Harry's three-year anniversary as a business. And if you're new to Harry's, I've got a special deal for you to try three of their expertly crafted five-blade German razors, a handle, and shave cream for just 10 clams with the offer code PROOPS. That's P-R-O-O-P-S. The sound you hear behind me is a siren going off in Stockholm. Um, they sent a box over to Proopcast HQ, or as we know it, the Porpoise of Frititude. And I can tell you that these blades are groovy most. They're so smooth, I honestly couldn't believe it. It was like skiing over an alpine hill. The moguls rolling underneath you as you slid through the peppermint-scented air, the icicles brushing in your face. Harry's is the only shaving company that has both amazing quality and low prices. 
It's quality. It's German-engineered. Five-blade cartridges. Close, comfortable shave. No cuts or burn. Quality guaranteed. Full refund if you're not happy. It's factory direct prices. Cut out the middleman. It ships right to your door. Harry sells blades at half the price of the leading brand. Over one million guys have already made the switch, and thousands more switch every day. Why pay 32 clams for an eight-pack of blades when you can get them for half the price at harrys.com? The Harry Starter Set is an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. Harry's doesn't like to discount because their prices are already really low, but we've worked out a special offer for you dudes. Harry's will give you $5 off your first order with the promo code PROOPS. Stop overpaying for a great shave. Go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com. Enter the code PROOPS, P-R-O-O-P-S, at checkout. Don't forget the R, P-R-O-O-P-S, at checkout, and you'll get your groovy discount. Harry thanks you, I thank you, and the Smartest Man in the World podcast thanks you. Uh, having said that, um, it's, uh, it's always important to remember that uh, uh, life has to go on after... Um, uh, 9-11 people in America carried on, obviously, in New York City after uh, uh, every, every terrorist act you can uh, mention. Um, and then, by the way, uh, our hearts not only go out to the people here in Brussels and Belgium, and, of course, the people in Paris, but also uh, uh, the last couple of weeks, Mali, Turkey, uh, um, and uh, 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 Iraq have been hit terribly by tons and tons of the same types of acts, and yet on an even more strenuous basis, and the Russians have been bombing uh, um, Iraq as well this week. We continue when I say we, I of course mean the government that I head, America. Uh, I'm here. Obama is in Cuba tonight, but he wanted me to say hola uh, to all of you as his emissary for the government. Uh, what a lot of you don't know is that I work for the government. Um, but there's a lot of drinking and dope smoking. <laughs> We're the government, man. We have, we have the good shit. Um, no, I don't work for the government, but uh, when you're an American, you tend to be representative wherever you are abroad. And, Obviously, we bomb people all the time. There's terrible violence being done every day. This is just a more personal, horrible, uh, um, detrimental, animalistic, uh, uh, and, a, and a gross violation of all of the social contracts that we make with one another. Um, what do you mean by that? For instance, when you're in a car, or say you're not in a car, say you're crossing the street and someone stops and they're in a car, you don't expect them when you cross the street in front of them, when they wave at you or flash their lights, to hit you. You don't expect murder to be done at that moment. You have made a social contract with that person. And however subtle that distinction may be, we make that social contract all the time in this room, uh, in an airport, in a bus station, in a train station, on a coach, wherever we are. Um, you've all been in a kebab shop or a kebab shop, or if you're Scottish, a chip shop, uh, or if you're American, outside of a bar, and uh, a bunch of dudes run up on you, or a bunch of people run up on you, and you try to make yourself invisible because you know that the next instant is going to be filled with fucking violence because you can see what's happening in the air. And uh, you've all seen, uh, I'm sure, and taken place in uh, every manner of mayhem. I don't have to remind anyone who's watching the show uh, here tonight or listening on the show. We've all had violence done to us. And uh, we've all uh, participated in violence, whether uh, you instigated it yourself, uh, more likely uh, you've had it done to you. So the profanity of having it done in a public manner, in an extraordinarily uh, um, uh, over-the-top, overblown, overwhelmingly uh, carnage-packed way with giant body counts and all-day news and international incidents and presidents weighing in and uh, uh, premiers and 
uh, kings uh, coming on television and all of that uh, makes it even more profound and more personal, but no less uh, personal to the personal violence that's happened to each and every one of us. And so it's a matter of putting it in perspective and carrying on. Uh, the people who perpetrate violence uh, have their own reasons. I never uh, give names to the people who commit these acts because I happen to feel that particularly the, the uh, groups that have committed the acts today uh, at the airport and the um, uh, underground station here in Brussels, or rather there in Brussels, we're here in Antwerp, uh, here in Belgium, um, are members of a criminal fraternity. I don't feel that they are a legitimate uh, theological or ideological group that has any actual place in uh, the politics of the world. They are an ad hoc state that has given themselves caliphate and uh, given themselves statehood that is not recognized, uh, um, and for better or worse, by the civilized world. Now, theologically or ideologically, you might disagree with me on this, uh, we all have our own ideology. I'm not all for every policy that uh, the first world perpetrates on the third world, and there's every manner of terrorism. However, the people that did this thing today, these kind of acts are a gross violation of the contract we make with one another as human beings not to fucking kill each other on a daily basis. And that is where I fucking get out. Terrorism is round-level violence that, that uh, perpetrates an absolute hala, which it is intended on doing, and the only thing to do and stand up and react in the face of that kind of hala, that's a horror that's being perpetrated on us, is uh, to uh, carry on absolutely. This is one time uh, when uh, the sang-froid of, uh, of Northern Europe is, um, not, is, is shown in high relief, not in particularly uh, a higher light than any other country. Every country uh, suffers in its own way. Having been in London on 7-7 and having been here for this day, I can say that the people of Belgium and the people of Britain get the fuck up and get on with it and don't ever sit around wasting time uh, thinking about uh, how much they should feel sorry for themselves or uh, 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 fulminate over what can't be. And so uh, American life... <clears throat> Americans are, 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 we're nice people, we actually are. We're quite brave and we're good friends. Uh, shallow. Uh, we'll play catch with you all fucking day. But uh, the media in America is feared by uh, the giant, vast right-wing uh, corporate conspiracy and therefore um, they embrace victimhood because victimhood uh, encapsulates fear. Victimhood puts fear at the forefront of your emotions where it oughtn't be at any time, not fear of the unknown, um, Frank Sinatra, and I, I, I'm, there's a point. Frank Sinatra, <laughs> uh, when, uh, I, I've been, we watched a, a special on him earlier this year, Whoa. and he said, what was his, people said, what's your advice to everyone? And he said, don't be afraid of anyone. And I know what he meant by that. You know, I think we all know what he meant by that. Obviously, he meant in a show business way, but he also meant in a day-to-day -day way. We're all, I know I am, wildly afraid to talk to uh, comrades, lawyers, people I work with, uh, friends, anyone, because you're afraid to make a demand, you're afraid to uh, 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 go too far, you're afraid to say something that you want that they're going to violently disagree with and therefore you're going to have to backpedal immediately. And you've already played the scenario on in your mind a million times. So when uh, the American media adores peddling fear because they have very little way to get people to pay attention to them, um, no one anymore, because especially people under I don't know, 30, whatever age you want to choose, arbitrary age, uh, the phone is the source of everything and the computer, not the newspaper, not the television anymore. So they have a very hard time getting people to watch TV unless you're my age or older. 
And uh, how old are you, Greg? Fuck you is how old I am. <laughs> and in, in Flemish, um, the, uh, suffice to say that that's why um, Donald Trump has had more airtime than any other candidate in the United States. He's not a more viable candidate. More people don't support him. His views are not recognized by the majority of Americans. I guarantee, motherfucking goddamn to you, that he is not uh, going to win an overwhelming majority, even with the attacks and all that, and the fact that democracy has to be defended tooth and nail, and that we have to be violent fucking war dogs at all time and torture everyone all the time in order to maintain this Orwellian world of order that only white people who are really rich fantasize about that could exist, because we know it doesn't fucking exist, because no one's human instincts ever lead that way. And there's, yes, even though we've seen the commonality of the group overwhelm the fucking common sense of uh, what should be humanly done, um, he's not representing that much. However, he sells, and that's why. The TV ratings have gone up so high having him as a presidential candidate. The president of CBS, whose name is Les Mundes, and evidently I never want to work on CBS again. Here's the point. Um, said, uh, it's good for us. It's good for the news, right? The, the ratings have never been this high. So they're willing to support this guy. Um, so the more you hear about him, uh, and, and yes, you should be afraid, because it's a, a horrible situation, um, but not afraid in the way like you should be quaking in your boots like he's going to all of a sudden throw a lightning bolt up your ass like Zeus or something. He has no power. He is a reality television star on a giant commercial mission right now. That's what's happening. He has no power. Um, is there the eventuality in a, uh, 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 you know, uh, perhaps a scenario that he might uh, attain power? Mm, we'll see. What are you getting at? The American media would love to skew this, and all of the candidates weighed in today, and I'm not going to quote any of them, because I think it's completely irrelevant to the reality of the situation. What the American presidential candidates have to say about this situation is utterly irrelevant. Uh, all of them, to a person. Um, but Trump, of course, said his usual nonsense, the bloviating. And that's what's going to be sold in America. And what's going to be sold is that there has to be fear of the other, fear of another state, fear of a Muslim world, fear of dark scouting people, fear of anyone who's not... Um, wearing a, a baseball cap and waving a flag and drinking a beer. And I'm, I'm putting that in the baldest possible terms so that you understand where I'm coming from on this. <clears throat> Does that America exist? Yeah. In a minority. And in an ever-decreasing minority, ergo, the vociferousness of the protestation. <laughs> if you follow my drift, as they dwindle in numbers, their power decreases, and all they have left is their agents who control the media and the giant corporations who are indeed white millionaire um, men who have to take pills in order to abuse prostitutes. So, when that's the scenario, when that's the scenario, the truth of the news is absolutely to be put in question at all times. In other words, you can believe some facts. You can believe what's more important now than um, uh, having uh, uh, setting up a new security paradigm that's even more inclusive. What's more important than um, putting barriers outside of airports and train stations and bus stations? What's more important than racially profiling everyone who doesn't look like a white person um, is uh, remembering that we've gotten this far and everything, it, it, we're still alive as a, as a species. Uh, love and understanding will override a great deal of other problems. I'm not trying to be a Mr. Naive Liberal here. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, um, if the media and the giant governments are trying to get you to believe something, you must question that as well. Um, uh, as for the people who perpetrated the act, as I said, I think they're lower than low, because um, you mustn't uh, uh, 
what was it? What did John Lennon say? Um, you know, when you start talking about violence, that's it for me. That's it for me. Whether you're a government or whether you're a group or whether you're an ideological clique or cell or whatever you're calling yourself. Um, hooray for you for meeting in a room. Um, if I ever saw anybody but these um, douchey-looking dudes who are out there perpetrating this shit, I mean, this is not idealism. Uh, and idealism has to live inside your heart and be something that we all subscribe to. And we have to reach for, as Abraham Lincoln said, the better angels of our nature at all times. Um, I would like to read something. Uh, <clears throat> this is from a book called The Bible. It was written by a committee of men over hundreds of years, so its accuracy is undamned. <laughs> There's a recipe for fucking facts, huh? <laughs> However, as John Cooper Clark said uh, in his poem, Are You the Business? John Cooper Clark's a wonderful poet from um, uh, Salford, is it? from Salford, North of England. And um, he has a couple of great poems. I'm going to repeat two right now, but first this one. Uh, um, you ain't nothing but a hedgehog foraging all the time. You ain't nothing but a hedgehog foraging all the time. You ain't never pricked a predator. You ain't no porcupine. <laughs> the other... I've already said it on the show, but I'm doing it again. Uh, yeah. And the other poem is that goes, Are you the business? And, uh, and he says, Are you the business? Are you the fuck off business? And one of the lines is, Was Jesus Christ a decent bloke? Are you the business? And uh, I would agree that Jesus Christ was a decent bloke. And uh, Mark, or Matthew rather, one of them, <laughs> Matthew, this is from the book of Matthew. Uh, they're called the Beatitudes. Uh, and the, the, the Catholic site that I went on today, it acted like it was a, a movie scene. The, the, the scenario that they gave, Jesus gave this at the Sermon on the Mount. Like, like we're in a documentary. Hang on a second. Jesus is about to speak. I'm going I'm to try to get as close as I can to the action. Don't worry if you didn't bring any food. Everything's cool. There's no concessions or beer. There will be. Jesus is here. <laughs> red hots. I got red hots for everybody. <laughs> Who needs a beer? Cold beer. When I used to go to the ball games in high school, the, guy, the beer vendor carried uh, uh, cold beers in a case like this, right? Like in a case, in bottles, in bottles. And he would bang on them uh, on the side of the case with a bottle opener like this. And he'd go bang, 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 bang. Cold beer, cold beer, like that, right? And then you'd ask for two, and he'd take two out, and in one hand, he could hold two beers, and he'd go, chow, chow, like that, like that, with the bottle cap, and then pour them into paper cups, right? And then hand them to you. And now, of course, you have to go up to the stands. In America, it's horrible. I assume in Belgium, you can get a beer at, you know, kindergarten. <laughs> you people are beer-oriented. But in America, you have to go up now. They don't even have beer vendors anymore. And when they do, they cut them off at the seventh inning, which is rude. But then again, we're Americans, and we... All right. Uh, this is from the eight Beatitudes of Jesus. Uh, and, I, and, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. Uh, I'm not particularly Christian. I would be, but I don't see enough sexy Christians. I mean, you know, if there were good-looking Christians everywhere, I'd be like, fucking Christianity's hot. But instead, they always have bad clothes and awful hair. And they seem so desperate. What are you so fucking desperate about? You've been dominating for 2,000 years. You should be riding high, bitch. <laughs> Everybody knows who fucking Jesus is. Even the fucking people who blow people up, they exactly know who fucking Jesus is. You know what I mean? Be fucking happy. You won, man. You fucking won. <laughs> Cock.
Constantine saw the cross in the sky when he beat Maxentius, and somehow that led to this bullshit? Um, he was an emperor of Rome. Supposedly the first Christian one. By the way, he killed his son and his wife, so Christianity's never been that different, really. It's always been a Laura Laura laughs, as they say. In any case, having said that, the poetry of this is quite beautiful, and I think appropriate to tonight. Uh, to tonight. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the, they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's Matthew 5, 3, 10. Um, a lot of things happened this week, as I said. Um, uh, we'll move along from that and into this. Um, this is from Vox, um, which is a, a site online and not a particularly unintelligent one from America. Um, the world of violent jihadism is a competitive one. And ISIS's greatest rival has always been Al-Qaeda. Their antagonism has many roots. You may remember Al-Qaeda. That was our enemy 15 years ago uh, in America. And that nothing was more important ever than that. Except that now it's not. <laughs> um, you may remember in George Orwell's 1984, in the middle of one of the great harangues, in the middle of the book, um, they're fighting a war with them. Um, Asia, is it? And uh, uh, they're having a parade and all the prisoners are being brought by and, and the guy's on stage and literally clawing at the air, as I recall in the book, and a piece of paper's handed to him. And he goes, it's not Eurasia, it's East Asia. <laughs> and changes wars right then and there and then blames the Jews. In the book. Oh, yeah, he blames Emmanuel Goldberg and the underground. Uh, and uh, so remember how flexible that can be. Uh, uh, going back to Afghanistan, but it is today expressed both as a literal war in Syria. Uh, ISIS took the lead in that war early by doing something Al Qaeda never accomplished, declaring an actual state. Thus, along with its string of battlefield victories in 2014, with its narrative, blah, 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 when ISIS began to lose its caliphate, which is happening in the last couple of years, as you may have noticed, its territory chipped away by Kurdish groups, Shia militias, Iraqi army, and U.S.-led airstrikes, the narrative of victory and invincibility began to collapse. If it wanted to maintain its ideological strength, from which it partially derives its military strength, it would need to find a new way to prove itself. Well, now we know. Unlike Al-Qaeda, blah, 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 blah. Where did you want to get to? Um, they attacked the Tunisian town in 2015 last summer. That was absolutely awful. So that's been their strategy. But why is it their strategy? Because they're not an actual state, and they're losing power at all times. Because they're a criminal state who makes their money by stealing stuff and by forcing people into servitude and women into sexual bondage, which they do at an alarming rate. And again, coming back to the point that I've made on the show a thousand times, and that I don't know if I can really make it enough, even if it gets tedious for some people. All rights, as Hillary Clinton said, and as many people have said, are women's rights. And war, the main victims of, are always women. And so, uh, uh, the main issue to me of ISIS forming a caliphate is that they felt it was within their purview and their right, uh, like the Boko Haram in Africa, or like the rebels in Mali, or wherever you want to choose, uh, to subjugate and sexually um, uh, um, uh, put women in slavery. And, and, and that's happening all the time, and that's the worst element of all of these things that's going on. That women and children are being completely sexually abused at all times. And so I think more than anything else, it's not that there's a striking difference so much as that understand that their motivation is money, and that the second motivation after that is the sexual subjugation of women. 
And so, to understand how out of touch they are with the modern world, to understand um, how out of sync this is with what everyone holds dear and what everyone believes in. When I say everyone, I mean hopefully the people in this room, but also um, everyone with a human heart. Um, there's no way you can want um, that to happen. And that is exactly what's happening. And that's been, um, if the first world bears a responsibility, which it does, uh, for uh, the horrible uh, discombobulation and uh, chaos in the Middle East, this is the worst element uh, off the back of it. Um, I throw that out on my own there, because when I start to read about these things, that's the first thing that comes into my mind at all times. The terrorist attacks are awful. Um, Ankara, the Russian airliner, Beirut, and all that. But also, that as they move along in their gangster style and steal stuff, uh, and they're losing ground on every front, this is the desperation that comes into play. Uh, and this is the thing that has to be stopped first and foremost. Uh, money, weapons, officers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, those resources will go, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is what... It, uh, th but this is the part I wanted to get. There is a myth propagated by Western political leaders who wish to halt immigration or at least exploit popular fear of their own electoral gain that Europe's uh, terrorist threat comes from refugees. In fact, it comes from fellow Europeans, and that makes the problem more difficult to solve. You can close borders or shut down immigration, which is being put forward as policy in America. The idea that every single um, person in Islam in the world that's a Muslim has to be identified and stopped at the border and interrogated. And uh, it, it is the most unfeasible plan in the world since there's over a billion Muslims and many of them live in America. Um, also, remember one of the basic tenets of fascism. One of the things that identifies fascism other over ideological drifts is the identification of the other as the enemy. And so, always beware of that. Um, but what about if I'm afraid of those people? You have every right to be afraid of people. Um, but remember that one day it's those people, the next day it's another people, the next day it's another people, the next day it's fucking you. And that's always how fascism works. And there's no other way that it works. Fascism can't work any other way. It's not a broad, uh, all-encompassing um, political point of view. It's, it's a narrow, uh, uh, a bigoted point of view by its very nature. Um, but isn't there uh, identifying an attacker and uh, going after them? Clearly. Um, I, what I said before about American airstrikes and all, all the things going on have had quite an effect. That's why these things are happening. Um, what I wanted to get at was this. Um, what happened in Paris? What happened here? These are Europeans. They grew up in Europe. They're part of Europe. They didn't come from another country. So all of a sudden sealing the world off is not the answer. That's all I wanted to say about that. I don't want to go any further. This is not a case for defeatism, and it's certainly not a case for fear, which only strengthens the terrorist groups. This is not me, this is Vox, but I agree with this wholeheartedly. Terrorism is still a threat that kills far fewer Europeans than any other kinds of crime. And Americans, I would add, uh, much less than, say, automobile accidents, but it is precisely to combat that fear and the dangerous far-right politics it promotes that Europeans will have to understand that this is part of the reality. Now, uh, the Prime Minister, Jean-Michel, said, um, liberty's been struck at its heart. It is a common fight, he said. Belgium is very mobilized to succeed in the face of this tragic event, which has struck us in our hearts. We're determined to defend our freedom. By the way, a lot of people were heroes today. There were people at the airport who helped people um, everyone in Belgium has taken it upon themselves to offer people homes, uh, places to stay for the night, rides to get where they're going. 
Um, Nigel Williams, who organizes the gig here, as conveyed by the bizarre communist poster, <laughs> uh, said something to Jennifer and I before the show, which was absolutely true, that the obverse, and that what terrorists don't understand, and that what governments really even don't understand, I think at the end of the day, is that when acts of violence like this that are so random and horrible and un, uh, uh, incomprehensible to us and difficult to digest and impossible to assimilate in a short period of time, especially on the night when a person is drinking vodka in front of you sweating, <laughs> is that the obverse of the fear and the terror that they hope to install and instill and uh, imbue into people's minds and hearts is counteracted and countermanded and absolutely overridden by the amazing amount of humanity that people show to one another when situations like this arise. All of a sudden, Belgium is one. All of a sudden, Paris is one. All of a sudden, the world is one. And believe me, the world is one. And America, people, tonight, I've had emails from all of my friends, and Jennifer's friends as well. We've sent them videos from here. We've sent them pictures from here. We've talked to them. Everyone around the world understands what's going on. And if they were here, they would do what the people of Belgium are doing, which is like Nigel's doing and lots of people in this room, offering people a place to stay, offering people a ride, offering people succor, offering people uh, an, an embracement, a way to deal, a way to fucking go along with the night tonight. And that, that's, the, uh, that's the beautiful part of being a person, and that's the beautiful part of um, what can't be killed in, uh, um, by random acts of violence. What can't be killed by random acts of violence is the impetus that all humans have and that everyone has here and that everyone has felt around the world when all of these terrible acts occur to embrace one another and to uh, um, experience the humanity that we all need to improve upon and that we, um, that we extend a hand to one another and embrace one another as uh, human beings in the face of these terrible acts. All right. Uh, well, we've read from the Bible. <laughs> and then there's an email that I don't recognize. Um, I, I was, uh, this happened tonight. Uh, we were at the hotel, and um, uh, we're staying here, all the cathedrals. I have no idea what's happening here. I can't find the uh, poem that I... <laughs> Well, this part's not going as well as I thought it would. <laughs> but one day we hope it will. Um, in any case, uh, I'm so glad that we could all come out here tonight and uh, hang out together and experience some uh, time together um, on this uh, awful night. It's, uh, it's important to remember also that, you know, one of the biggest reactions that people have in the face of terror and horror and anything bad that happens. We've all been in situations where it couldn't get any worse. Uh, is humor. And uh, uh, men are allowed, uh, and a great deal more than women are, um, to crack the ice on that one. Uh, if women do it, they're being obstreperous. Uh, when men do it, it's just part of the fucking game. Uh, and good for me, because I'm a man tonight. And uh, uh, So there's all that. Um, I, uh, I lost the email that I'd sent myself, and uh, I'd like to find that ironic at this point, or merely inconvenient. <laughs> Will you look? It's for me. I sent myself... There was just one more poem I wanted to read, because I, I always feel like poetry uh, um, 
as John F. Kennedy said, uh, cleanses um, at the end of things, because poetry gives us something to cling on to. Uh, that's something that we've created. People create poetry. It doesn't just fall out of the air. Obviously, a butterfly winging across the sky or a flower waving in the breeze is its own poetry. When we were listening tonight, at 6.35, Jennifer and I were in our crib, and uh, uh, all the bells went off in the cathedral. We're right near the one where uh, Peter Paul Rubens has all the paintings. And uh, then that went on for about 10, 15 minutes. And then all the other churches in the neighborhood started ringing their bells as well. The bells went off for half an hour tonight, and we knew what it was for. And we listened the whole time. And uh, I thought, you know, uh, that's the power uh, of poetry. Bells ringing was enough to make us pay complete attention to the moment we were in and to what's happening and to mark what's happening. Um, the perpetrators of this act will be forgotten like the dust and like the carry-on that foxes will eat, as they say in the Bible. But the people who uh, were victims of this will live forever. And uh, will uh, this night will always be something that we'll all remember. This day, rather, will be the day that um, you'll sight in years to come. And there's nothing more important than to bear witness, um, not just now, but in five years' time, in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, and uh, like that. And I think that poetry always helps um, people get in touch with them, an emotional state that's more left brain and less difficult, uh, less uh, 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 intangible than uh, reality. Uh, or more, did I say that right? Not more tangible than reality, but uh, a, a place that reality uh, can take refuge. Um, in the face of stark, hideous, horrible, blank, violently etched reality. No? Yeah. <laughs> it did, I know, but I never. Here, I'll find a poem in this book. I'm sure there'll be one in here. Oh, yeah, I've got Blake in here. Are you going to read an entire Blake poem? No, because I like you. <laughs> but I will read a little of Blake. First of all, know this about Blake. Uh, who are we talking about? William Blake. Um, Blake saw God when he was four. His parents were skeptical, but did not make him go to school. So that worked. <laughs> he saw a tree full of angels when he was nine. At ten, he announced he was going to be a painter, so his folks sent him to art school. He took up poetry and became an engraver's apprentice. Um, Blake was working on illustrations for an edition of Dante's Devon comedy up until his death. Um, when I put this poem in the book, my editor said to me, you've got to write a giant intro for it because it's the longest fucking poem I've ever read in my life. Well, I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read a couple of selected excerpts from Blake because I think Blake was a spiritual weirdo. And uh, this is the part I have right before the poem begins. I suggest the William Blake cocktail. Two ounces of anything hard, wave your hand over the glass, gaze at the heavens, and swallow all at once. <laughs> then read this bear. <laughs> the, aug <clears throat> the auguries of innocence. To see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wild flower. Hold infinity of the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. A robin redbreast in a cage puts all heaven in a rage. 
A dove house filled with doves and pigeons shudders howl through all its regions. A dog starved at his master's gate predicts the ruin of the state. A horse misused upon the road calls to heaven for human blood. Each outcry of the haunted hare, a fiber from the brain does tear. A skylark wounded in the wing, a cherubim does cease to sing. The game caught clipped and armed for fight, does the rising sun affright. <clears throat> um, shall we, uh, the winners shout, the losers curse, dance before dead England's hearse. Every night and every morn, some to misery are born. Every morn and every night, some are born to sweet delight. Some are born to sweet delight. Some are born to endless night. We are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye, which was born in a night to perish in a night, when the soul slept in beams of light. God appears, and God is light to those poor devils who dwell in night. But does a human form display to those who dwell in realms of day? Thank you very much. You've been a lovely crowd. We'll see you afterwards. I wish you nothing but peace. We have a great day. We have a great day. We have a great day. We have a great day.